may be seated. Uh, thank you, Brother McClintock and Brother Jones, for uh, asking me to participate in this powerful conference. To my wonderful classmates and esteemed professors at Urshan Graduate School of Theology, and as well as just Urshan in general, uh, thank you for letting me be part of uh, just a wonderful community of people. It's a privilege in my life to be with you. Uh, in my eight minutes with you today, it is my hope and desire to glorify God, help the body of Christ, and to support the mission of this conference, which is to elevate apostolic preaching. The foundation of what I'm going to preach today is self-evident in John chapter 5 and verse 39, as Jesus would say it's self-evident in John 5 and 39. So for the sake of time, uh, I will not read a text today. I'll just ask you to pray with me as we get ready for the word. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to be in this place today with a body of believers, Lord, that love you, that want to be close to you, Lord. I pray that you bless us and minister to us in this house, Lord, and help us, Lord, to hear truth, to believe truth, and more than anything else, Lord, to preach Christ in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. My permission, by the way, was from Brother McClintock to not uh, read a text. So, Seven years ago, I was 31 years old, and I was elected to pastor the church that I grew up in. And I had no idea how to preach. No idea. I had no idea how to answer the question, what makes a good message good? I'd preach messages occasionally in my life, maybe a half-decent one here or there. But now I had to stand in front of the same people, twice, sometimes three times a week, and preach to that same group. So my seven or so messages that I could preach... It wasn't going to cut it. And I wanted to preach good. The, the, the people that asked me to pastor them, they, they were the people that birthed me. This was my home church. And, and I wanted to preach good. They picked me up on the church van. They were my Sunday school teachers. And I wanted to edify the body of Christ. So I, I had this craving to preach good, and I was terrified to preach badly. I began to leverage resources. I called pastors uh, that I respected Every phone number in my Rolodex I called to get direction from them. I have notes on my computer from conversations with Brother Stan Gleason and Brother uh, Daryl Johns uh, with them instructing me how to preach to a church. I read books on preaching. Brother McClintock, I've read uh, uh, Life Preaching. I read We Preach by Jerry Jones. Those books came out right after I started pastoring. Brother Coltharp, I listened to your Crafting a Sermon podcast it's still there. I looked for it today. You should listen to it if you want to get a little nugget about how to prepare a sermon. I studied diligently for sermons. I prayed. I prayed and I prayed. And I sought the Lord. I preached my sermons to an empty church on Saturday nights. I preached to an empty church. I woke up at 2 a.m. because I heard Brother Gurley woke up at 2 a.m. on Sundays, so... I woke up at 2 a.m. on Sunday mornings to prep for the a.m. service, and then I would preach our night service on Sunday nights and prep for that in between. I preached with notes, and I preached without notes. I preached textual sermons, expository sermons, and topical sermons. I taught series, and I preached literally entire books of the Bible in a given year. Every year I would say, we're going to preach this book this year, and it was my go-to on Wednesday nights. I tried everything. I was hungry and craving to preach good. 
After five years, the Lord called us to come here, and I'd preach somewhere around 400 times. And I don't know if I was any better than when I started, but one thing I learned during those 400 messages is that if you want to transform lives, preach Christ. I've come to just preach a simple reminder to people that already know this. I've come to remind you to preach Christ. The power of our message does not lie in our intellect, but the power of our message lies in Jesus Christ. It is because of who He is that we have power. It is because of what He did that we have life. And it is because of what He gave that we are blessed. So your sermons don't have to be fancy and they don't have to be pretty. But let one thing be said of them, that they exalt Jesus Christ, that they glorify his name, and that they lift him up. Because without Jesus Christ, your message and my message is powerless. If you are a pastor or someday you are going to be a pastor and there are going to be people that come to your church because of your charisma and there are going to be people that come to church because of your intellect and because of your talents. Like Sister Carr said, you're the lion and they will come there because of you. But let me give you one solid reminder. No one will be saved because of you. If anyone is going to be saved in our churches, it is only going to be because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he came down to this world and he gave his life. And that is where our power lies. came from a tiny church from a bivocational coal miner in West Virginia and he wasn't college educated he didn't preach fancy messages but I watched my older brother who was a drug addict and my other brother who was an alcoholic come into that country church and their lives were transformed and changed because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to them and he told them about a God who was big enough to transform them and change them we preach Christ it's not just the sinner who needs us to preach Christ it is the saint when you challenge the saint with some sort of spiritual platitude that you know is humanly impossible when you look at people who've been abused People who've been used, people who have been sexually abused, people who have been abandoned, and you tell them that they have to forgive, you better have more than pray harder, jump higher, shout louder. You better be able to tell them about a God who hung on a cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the kind of God that we serve, and it's because of him that we can forgive. When the sting of death is prevalent, when your church prays for healing, and God says, not yet,
Preach Christ. When your church says, Lord, we want healing, and God says, not yet, preach Christ. Preach him victoriously parading around in his resurrected body that he raised himself. Preach about him being the first fruits of the resurrection and preach to that aching church that if your healing doesn't come now, someday he's coming back and he's going to raise all of us from the dead and we can say, grave, where's the victory? Death, where's the sting? Why? Because he's the first fruits of the resurrection. That's why we preach Christ. So people in this world are starving for a hero, and we have him, and it ain't you, and it ain't me. And that's good news for this world, because the God that we serve is Jesus Christ, and he is big enough to solve any challenge that walks through those doors, and he's big enough to transform any life that desires to be transformed. So we preach Christ. In Jesus' name, pray with me. God, we honor your name. We're grateful for your presence. We're grateful, Jesus, for all that you've done. And we're grateful for the supremacy of who you are. You are the only wise God. You are God manifest in the flesh. And we exalt your great name in this place today. And there is power that comes with that, Lord. In your precious name, bless this place. In your precious name, bless our hearts. In your precious name, give us not what we want, God but give us what we need. In Jesus' name.